Welcome back to yet again another episode of the Frontier Report featuring myself, Kyle, and my good friend, Arlen Whitfield. Arlen Whitfield, every single time, first and last name, you know how it's done. We were reporting out. I like to keep it formal. <laughs> yes, you, just in case people want to stalk you on the internet, they yes. know how to do it now. We are reporting out of a new location today, La Cañada, California, ironically the hometown of both Arlen and I, where we are probably the own, only cryptocurrency miners in all of the city. If you don't know what we do, you can check us out at FrontierMining.co, but we are the cryptocurrency mining and hosting team that is slowly trying to take over the world. No, but actually trying to build the sustainable infrastructure behind blockchain technology. And if you haven't turned into the Frontier Report, or if this is the first time with us, we really like to use this as an opportunity to talk a little bit less about mining and a little bit more about what's going on in the world of blockchain chain and cryptocurrency so strap in we've got a solid 25 minutes of beautiful content coming your way today talking all about what's been going on in this crazy world of crypto and blockchain arlen let's set this thing on fire let's do it moving on to our favorite part of our episodes, the hot takes of the last seven days in cryptocurrency. It has been an absolutely insane world as it always is. Uh, as we've most of us have seen, we've seen Bitcoin's price fluctuate all the way up to almost 7,600, all the way back down to 7,100, now finding its median right around 7,300. As of this very moment, I'm sure in the next five minutes that price will completely change, but we're wondering why. What has been happening in cryptocurrency over the last week to cause Bitcoin to do this? Is it the whales? Is it a pump and dump? Or is it something a little bit different? We like to think that it's thanks to what we tend to talk about all the time, which is institutional capital, government regulation and government involvement. So what does this mean for this week? Well, there are a handful of pretty interesting things that we've been observing going on in this space. Uh, first and foremost, and probably one of the most exciting things for many of the crypto fanatics out there is that the Congress, the United States Congress is now hearing about digital money. They'll begin official hearings on July 18th, 2018. I believe today is July 20th, yeah, so 2018. Two so two days ago, uh, they were going to discuss sort of the introduction of digital money into our economy. If you remember from our episode a couple weeks ago, the Supreme Court did say uh, that although cryptocurrencies are not a regulated asset now, they may be in the future. And the bottom line is the government is looking at it, but really they're letting the market fluctuate, toy around and do its thing in spite of uh, some regulation around initial coin offerings. Uh, the United States government is pretty freely letting people act in this crypto space. And right next to that, the Securities Exchange Commission, the SEC, is also seeking feedback. Uh, on Bitcoin ETFs specifically, uh, in a very recent development, the SEC is seeking to obtain specifically feedback from the public around Bitcoin ETFs, which would enable investors with a direct route into cryptocurrency trading. Arlen, we talk about this stuff all the time, man. When the governments come in, good things tend to happen. What good things do you think will come out of this in spite of uh, Bitcoin's volatility? Well, I think this is First off, the first of many, many hearings that yes. we're going to see. I, I, this is not going to determine anything, right. um, but it is a step in the right direction. The fact that they're accepting it as digital currency or digital money um, and really taking it seriously legitimizes the network and, and you know the people behind it. So um, I, I don't think this is the first. I don't think it's the last. Um, I think... I don't, I don't know if there's anything really to come of it until we hear which direction they're leaning because, frankly, we don't really know like what stance they're going to take on it. We've, we have, like an idea, but this will be a, a big determining factor in, in the course of crypto. 
No, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think not taking a stance is taking a stance in a way by saying that, okay, we are going to take a look at this, but in during this time, which could be a three to five to 10 year stretch where the government figures out how they want to sort of incorporate digital money into the economy, they're letting people still act pretty openly in this space. Shout out to American liberation, uh, but the bottom line is that digital cash will pave the way for the future. Whether we see a government backed cryptocurrency, whether we see the US dollar go entirely digital, which it certainly feels like it is today. Uh, the bottom line is that the Congress and the SEC, and as of a few weeks ago, the Supreme Court are all caring about crypto. Do you think there's a world where the US switches to a mineable currency? I don't know if I want to go down the route that it would be a potentially mineable currency, but do I see a world where we have digital currencies uh, replacing physical currencies? Absolutely. I mean, I think we're already starting to see that path now shape. And frankly, this path was shaping prior to cryptocurrencies introduction. I mean, we saw it with things like Venmo, Square Cash, PayPal, where we're now able to exchange digital cash uh, in many cases into non-existent bank accounts. And what I mean by that specifically is like, take a take a peek at what Square is doing with Square Cash. Uh, they, now, they now allow you to transact to other users who may not even have an enabled bank account uh, and then they can actually go get a free square debit card and use that debit card in replacement of one of the major banks sure. backing or one sure. of the major debit card companies so I think the point here is that we're already seeing diffusion of innovation push towards digital money uh, cryptocurrency will follow very closely in its footsteps and Venmo and PayPal and Square I am sorry you will get crushed unless you adopt as well Venmo coin Venmo coin, yeah. Uh, or Merit. Merit actually might be the next Venmo. If you don't know what we're talking about, check out merit.me. Kind of interesting stuff. Uh, but it's not just the government, as we always tend to say. Uh, it is also the world's governments. Uh, the US is one, but there are many others. If you didn't hear about our episode last week, we spent a lot of time talking about the blockchain island of Malta, uh, which has been one of the first countries to really open its doors up to cryptocurrency. They say they missed the internet boom, but they will not miss the blockchain boom. And trust me, they are not alone. Uh, in fact, just in this last week alone, we saw the world's first bank-owned crypto exchange launch. Uh, it was out of the lovely continent of Asia, and the financial giant SBI Holdings made an announcement that it, it has officially launched its cryptocurrency exchange. This is a big deal. I'm sure we'll hear why in just a second from my lovely friend across the table, but until I let him speak, uh, there's another sort of interesting international development with the International Financial Watchdog, the FSB, the Financial Stability Board, releasing a report that found that Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies do not actually pose a material risk to the global financial system. In fact, uh, I think what many people were commenting on this and saying is that, no, of course it doesn't pose a risk. It actually gives us an opportunity to have an even more globalized financial system, especially in countries who are struggling with their national currencies, which seems to really be a global phenomenon now with nearly all national currencies having levels of inflation associated with them. Uh, what we're basically seeing here is not a ton different than what we're seeing in the US. The bottom line is that people are caring, but people are actually moving faster than American politics. And so I'm curious, Arlen, when you see companies like an SBI Holdings, or you see organizations like an FSB coming behind this market uh, and now saying that cryptocurrencies can actually maybe they're not beneficial, but they are not detrimental. We know that for sure. What are your thoughts on that? What are your hot takes? My hot take is, you know, when you have a financial giant like SBI Holdings um, legitimize the space by by actually backing a cryptocurrency exchange, it provides, um, by having skin in the game, it kind of gives almost a warranty to, you know, right. these repercussions, like if they get corrupt on the cryptocurrency side, it's going to affect their 
you know, real business, the, the you know, long-standing uh, holding company that they have, and there's a lot of assets tied to that. So by tying their name and those assets in terms of liability to a crypto exchange, it really, I think, gives a lot of confidence. I mean, especially to me as a consumer, like this, this company is a legitimate company. They've done business for a long time. They hold many companies. They have a lot to lose. And I, I think that's the thing is that when, when liability and, and um, the, the idea that you might lose your entire company by backing another one um, comes into play, it really, I guess it raises that bar in the crypto space, a space that has lacked accountability, not so much because of the currency, but because of the, uh, the anonymous nature of it and how young it is. There's a lot of fly-by-night salesmen. Uh, they come and go. And um, when you see these big players come in and, and uh, put kind of, you know, a lot their necks out and put a lot at stake, they're, they're real companies, um, it's a really good thing. You know, it's going right. to bring more institutional capital, more government regulation, sure, all stuff. Sure, sure. Yeah. All the stuff we tend to talk about. It's yeah. really an insurance on the market more than anything. I think we're seeing a time now when exchanges are continually the target mm-hmm. uh, because they hold such a massive amount of assets, yet they're being started from anonymous players that we were never familiar with, like CZ of Binance um, or Brian Armstrong of Coinbase. And we had no idea who these figures were, at least in the public sense, you know, five, five, ten years ago or so, even though they were working in the background to make this happen. So to now see uh, a multi-billion dollar asset holding organization come behind crypto and say, hey, we're going to actually securely and safely provide uh, cryptocurrency-based exchange, it's exciting. Um, and what it really means is that if you are worried about the market or you're scared about the market, or as from my last email said, I'm never even going to enter the market, uh, know that you're missing the boat. Uh, and trust me, these are the governments are not the only ones thinking that you'll miss the boat and are excited to get involved, but now we're continually seeing more and more and more and more institutional capital flow in. I mean, this is now happening on literally a daily basis. I remember in our first episode just four weeks ago, we were talking about Andreessen Horowitz popping up in a $300 million cryptocurrency fund. And to Arlen and I, we were like, wait, no way, a third of a billion dollars entering the crypto market? That's absolutely nuts. But it just didn't stop. It seemed like every week we were coming on the Frontier Report talking about more institutional capital. And guess what? Now the players are getting bigger and they're getting more intensive in their approach, but they're taking their due diligence to do so. Uh, The two names that have recently popped up that I've really blown away a lot of people are BlackRock and Goldman Sachs. Uh, If you don't know about either of those, they are some of the largest asset managers and investors in the world. Uh, In fact, BlackRock, I believe, is the world's biggest asset manager. And granted, they are not necessarily in investing per se in cryptocurrencies, but what they are doing is that they're investigating ways uh, that cryptocurrencies can be taken advantage of ultimately, and that they can at least put some of their more high-risk investments into that field. Uh, Whereas Goldman Sachs on the other side of the table, they recently transitioned or in the midst of transitioning out of uh, their current CEO and transitioning over to the new CEO, David Solomon, who's been with Goldman Sachs since the early 90s, literally coming from the trading desk floors all the way up to the tallest tower that Goldman Sachs has to offer. And now we're looking at a really interesting time for Goldman Sachs because their previous CEO, he was just sort of anti-Bitcoin. I can't tell you specifically why, but I think for probably the reasons that everyone else was a little bit anti-Bitcoin, it was just an unstable, it was an unstable market to enter. And if anything, it actually presented a lot of threats to financial industries. But the new CEO of Goldman Sachs, David Solomon, says that the bottom line is that the bank must evolve its business and adapt to the environment. And the more interesting quote here is he says we are clearly we are clearing excuse me clearing some futures around bitcoin talking about doing some other activities there but it's going very cautiously we're listening to our clients we're trying to help our clients as they explore these things too their bottom line is that big money players are interested they want support goldman sachs and blackrock are providing that arlen final hot takes here 
BlackRock coming in and looking at the surrounding industries of crypto and blockchain technology is really interesting to me. And I think it's something that Frontier also services. Um, you know, blockchain technology is often the focus, Bitcoin's often the focus, um, but there are so many industries that are emerging around that to support the infrastructure. Uh, you know, new generations of data centers, new generations of hardware. Um, you know, how, how do you manage this equipment? How do you scale this equipment? Um, what, what really lies behind uh, the Bitcoin or, or, or the technology? The Bitcoin. Yeah, it sounds ominous, but I mean... It's like it, the Batman, <laughs> but it's the Bitcoin. Just look out in your night sky tonight and you're going to see a giant image of Bitcoin floating in the clouds. Well, Oh, yeah, I mean, that's that's every night for me. But, you know, as far as, you know, it's, it's exciting to, to, to kind of have that legitimized and, and realize that, um, you know, blockchain's here to stay. They wouldn't be investigating the surrounding industries if they thought it was going to disappear next week. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited. BlackRock's such a big name. It, I mean, it's probably the biggest name. And Goldman Sachs is no slouch either. So really re- good stuff there. It really is. And to close out in our final hot take of the week, it's pretty interesting. Goldman Sachs finally uh, creating some activity in this space of cryptocurrency and blockchain. But it actually didn't start with David Solomon. It started with a guy by the name of Michael Novogratz, who was a previous Goldman Sachs trader. Uh, he ended up moving on from Goldman Sachs and starting his own Fortress Investment Group. And then recently actually launched a crypto merchant bank called Galaxy Digital. It's quite interesting. I recommend checking it out, especially if you're high net worth individual, this is a good place for you to possibly be exchanging your cash for crypto. Uh, But what I find particularly interesting about Novogratz is he's been one uh, who's actually been the Bitcoin bull. Uh, Last year, he predicted Bitcoin would hit 10,000. In fact, it exceeded his expectations. But the bottom line is he's had a strong pulse on the market. Uh, Has a great episode on uh, on Bloomberg News where he sort of talks about why Bitcoin's important, why Ethereum's important, why Litecoin's important, why he's still keeping uh, all of his cash at a quite stable if not increasing uh, sort of point in the market. But I think the biggest reality that he punched out to the world as of late is that blockchain and crypto are not going to take hold in the world, or at least in the public eye of adoption for the next five to six years. And why is this the case? Well, we can give you a million reasons why, but in his eyes, at least, it's the cost and lack of skilled developers. It's the institutional investors doubt, which is obviously now changing quite a bit. And it's the lack of precedent. Uh, I think the one thing he missed here too is just the simple diffusion of innovation. And it's going to take many, many, many years before we see uh, this at least strike the majority market. Uh, If you're familiar with the diffusion of innovation theory, we're going to be talking about a massive bell curve uh, that's going to take many, many, many years uh, to fully climb up to its peak. So I guess the point here is hold on to your horses, hold on to your Bitcoin and hodl all day long because the reality is that we are in for a long ride and we are at an extremely early stage. That being said, that's hot takes. Let's move on to stories of the week. Diving into stories of the week. This is a big one to kick things off with. Uh, There's a man by the name of Stephen Cohen. If you don't know who Stephen Cohen is, he's a hedge fund billionaire. And guess what? He's joining the Bitcoin party. He actually launched an organization called Autonomous Partners. And he it was ultimately led by himself and a handful of other sort of early cryptocurrency believers, one of them being a VC by the name of Ariana Simpson, uh, launched in December of last year, includes funding in the low eight digits from investors such as Brian Armstrong, we talk about a lot, Coinbase CEO, from Union Square Ventures, uh, and from Kraft Ventures. Uh, in the words of the his partner VC, Ariana Simpson, I've only brought on partners that I think can be uh, of very much value 
beyond their capital alone. The bottom line is that if you want to enter the blockchain space now, you need to have an understanding of what the heck blockchain is and why it's important. If you're going to be pouring this much cash into it, uh, the exciting thing about Autonomous Partners is that ultimately they see this as a long-term investment firm that's really on the bleeding edge. Uh, they plan to dedicate a small percentage of the fund to large cap cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin and Ethereum. Although in the words of Simpson, I'm also looking at what is the next generation of coins and of blockchain technologies. And the reality is that these investors have easy access to these new coins uh, in the same way that we get the luxury through our cryptocurrency mining operation to see new coins enter the market. Investors get that same luxury. They just get a call from one of their friends. Uh, but ultimately, when you're looking at this firm autonomous partners, the reason it's so interesting is obviously because it has a massive hedge fund billionaire behind it. But in addition to that, uh, they have a couple key pieces of criteria in terms of where they want their investments to sit in the space of blockchain technologies. Uh, number one, and this is a big one when we're looking at the scalability of blockchain technologies, technologies. Uh, first and foremost, firms that seek to speed up financial transactions, that's the biggest issue with blockchain right now, uh, predominantly because of the fact that it requires an enormous amount of infrastructure to process a transaction on blockchain. Number two, uh, they obviously want people in the cryptocurrency infrastructure space. We operate in the, the cryptocurrency infrastructure space. We know that the cryptocurrency infrastructure space is extremely thin, uh, primarily because people don't really care about the hardware and they forget that that is the capital that is required if we are to produce revenue. Uh, thirdly, they're talking and really interested in privacy coins, which help to anonymize ownership. There are a million out there right now, Zcash, Monero, and beyond. We can have that conversation for days. Uh, and lastly, companies that are seeking to address one of the biggest issues with blockchain, as I had mentioned before, scalability. And how do we create platforms that can actually serve billions of people? Right now, these platforms are struggling to serve less than 1% of the global population. So it makes sense that scalability is an issue that Autonomous Partners wants to capitalize on. Interestingly enough, though, uh, this fund has been involved, you know, in the lives of these partners for about, uh, you know, the last several months since December. But ultimately, Simpson really does think this is a long term play. Uh, this fund has been the product of about five years of work. And although blockchain is in, in its infancy and nascency stage, if you will, shout out to all my dictionary.com fans out there, uh, they do really believe that blockchain will be a long-term winner. As for now, it's a total nebulous world. Uh, regulators will continue to add more guidelines as we talk about a lot in these episodes. But the bottom line is another flow of institutional capital. We don't need to tell you why this is important. We've told you a million times before, but what we do need to tell you is it's worth paying attention to. There's a reason that Every week we come on the show and we tell you about another billionaire or another multimillionaire or another hedge fund or another cryptocurrency fund or another VC firm deciding to enter this market. This is just the nature of the space now. There's a reason that all these big players are getting involved. You should consider it too. Interestingly enough, though, Autonomous Partners is not alone in terms of major organizations wanting to get involved with the space. We always like to look at the joy that this space brings people's faces. CryptoKitties was an awesome collectible game that existed on the blockchain. Uh, and now the Major League Baseball Association decided to get involved. I know you're not a huge athlete, Arlen, but tell us about what's been happening with the MLB and crypto. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge athlete, but MLB, you know, Dodger baseball has always had a special place in my heart. Mm. So this is interesting to me on a, a few different levels. Um, the MLB is embracing I guess a D, D app or DApps, uh, DApps, DApps, Ethereum-based digital uh, collectibles based around their players. Um, you know, MLB very much. You know, back then pioneered the collectible card game uh, style. It makes sense that they're starting to make the leap over to, uh, you know, the cutting edge of collectibles, which is, um, you know, 
DApps and Ethereum-based applications. DApps. DApps. Um, so this is going to be MLB Crypto Baseball, and it's going to be based on the Ethereum blockchain, much like CryptoKitties. Um, and it's they're they're going to introduce it this summer. Um, you know, outside of that, there's there's some interesting parallels in terms of the value of decentralized applications and the collectibles that are associated with it. Um, CryptoKitties, of course, is the example. It's something they mentioned directly into what they're trying to emulate. Um, for those of you that don't know what CryptoKitties are, um, basically it was a application on the blockchain that used unique IDs to quote unquote make DNA of cats um, and you would breed them together and it would generate a very unique, uh, you can copy it, it'd be a one of a kind asset on the blockchain. And this, during the craze, um, you know, there were cats selling for up to 253 Ethereum, which at the time was approximately $110,000 for a single line of code, mm. a digital asset um, that could never be tangible. A digital cat set. A cat set, that, that, yes, that. Um, no so pun intended. That was a pun. A lot of puns <laughs> intended, actually. So, you know, that's, it's interesting to see, you know, them, them so quickly following the footsteps. I mean, MLB is a very... Uh, old organization, they they but you know they continue to innovate, they continue to push forward. Um, you know the 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 reason why, and in the words of um, their you know MLB's PR director, um, they're doing this to bring more people back to the stadiums for the first time ever since 2000. Well, ever first time since 2003, they're seeing a decrease in attendance, um, and they want to re-engage the quote unquote millennials, the quote unquote youth, um, and they they see. Uh, entering the ethereum blockchain decentralized cryptocurrency space as being enough buzzwords to warrant more people to be paying attention to baseball and to uh the cryptocurrency collectible that they're creating i don't really know where to take this it's 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 something that i'm going to see how it's adopted because so much of their fans are older in baseball mm -hmm. um i hope it works for them and I, I think it's uh it's exciting to see real organizations jump in and develop on it um but i think these are the first you know these are baby steps yeah and absolutely america's pastime is now trying to be on the technology's front line uh we will see how that plays out i do think that now seeing games built on blockchain is sort of interesting especially when you're building characters in games because for the first time ever you can build truly unique characters and if you know anything about gamified applications and in-app purchases uh, companies like pokemon go scale really quickly because of that we're talking about millions of dollars a day so i think organizations like the mlb see this as an awesome opportunity to generate revenue to attract as arlen likes to call them the quote-unquote youth uh but all that i don't know why we're quoting youth there there are young people that they call the youth Those whippersnappers the whippersnappers the right whippersnappers. yeah we're in our early 20s but they're yeah. trust me they're snapping whips much harder than we are all that being said, it is interesting to see the MLB come behind cryptocurrencies. Interestingly enough, they're not the only major sports organization to sign to do this. Another really interesting story out of the Sacramento Kings uh, as of about a week or two ago where they're actually mining Ethereum now. Uh, so point being is that major sports organizations recognize that maybe it's not an investment vehicle, but it's certainly a way to attract young people to come to your stadium. Remember the quote-unquote youth. Uh, of course, though, as we know, it's not just the MLB 
it's not just Stephen Cohen. It's many others that are just, that are trying to innovate in this space and maybe just use the term blockchain to look a little bit sexier to the younger audiences. Uh, China and France are no different. They actually came together as of late to create a and forgive me because this is just this is a buzzy statement, but a blockchain supported eco friendly skyscraper. Uh, I don't know what this means, but I'm about to tell you what I think it means, and we will soon discover in the upcoming years what this actually means. So, coming out of China's PR department, they say China has made plans to build a blockchain-supported skyscraper in Hangzhou, that's H-A-N-G-Z-H-O-U, Hangzhou. The project launched last month, and it will see Systemic, which is a French business cluster that includes Paris. Uh, They will collaborate with an unnamed Chinese developer, kind of like our man... uh, Satoshi. Uh, we're not sure for sure what who this Chinese developer is, but what we do know is that the French architecture firm XTU Architects uh, is coming behind the project, and the project is called the French Dream Towers. It's a skyscraper that will include energy-efficient microalgae exteriors and blockchain-monitored building systems. Uh, if you've never heard about blockchain entering into the logistics space, uh, it's quite interesting. I mean, the real advantage of blockchain here is a couple things. Number one, you get an open, sort of transparent system for tracking all activities that occur within an organization. Uh, It's especially helpful for when you're managing massive supply chains. Uh, In addition to that, in terms of the power of the building, the power of the building will also be built on blockchain technologies. Uh, If you're not sort of in the know of why blockchain and energy matter, I would recommend you check out our website, frontiermining.co, and head over to our blog. I just wrote an interesting post, actually, on how blockchain matters within the power grid. Uh, Or check out a great company called Power Ledger, P-O-W-R, on the exchanges. Another really interesting one that basically allows you uh, to more effectively distribute energy amongst uh, massive energy-draining ecosystems. Uh, To get back to the building, the French Dream Towers, uh, it's made up of four separate towers that will make up the whole complex. As I mentioned, microalgae will be cultivated in the building panels and this will help to regulate temperatures without having to drain massive air conditioning systems. The shape of the towers also lends itself to directing storm water into special basins on the roof and the ground. Again, super eco-friendly. And then plants that are actually growing at the bottom of the basins will filter the polluted air and rain before it's released back into the atmosphere. So ultimately we're seeing this sort of uh, eco-friendly based ecosystem that will allow basically any pollutants that come out of the building to be uh, recycled back into the environment via the environment. Uh, Lastly, an aquaponics system will be built at the base of the towers, which will also allow the production of vegetables, flowers, and fish from the uh, rainwater that drains to the bottom of the basins. Uh, It's kind of interesting that this is all coming together. I mean, China is, of course, is is developing many of the future smart cities, Hangzhou being one of the first. Uh, And these cities will not only just incorporate blockchain, but also the Internet of Things to improve efficiencies, increase sustainability, enhance development, and improve the quality of life for those working and living in the city. Uh, it's particularly interesting to guys like Arlen and I who do want to see blockchain become more effective in its way that it actually can uh, sort of help to improve or at least uh, decrease, I should say, environmental degradation. Uh, like I mentioned, Power Ledger is a really interesting one moving in this direction. Impact Token is another great company uh, that is using blockchain to help benefit society. So I encourage you to go check those out. Uh, but as we always like to say, And we always like to do the last portion of the Frontier Report is always dedicated to something a little bit odd uh, or a little bit funny or a little bit cheery, something that makes you smile. Uh, This week, quite interesting story coming out of Google's camp, actually. Google co-founder Sergey Brin is mining Ethereum with his son. And this is um, sits home close to home because that's, you know, kind of how I started mining was with my father trying to 
um, you know, figure out how this whole thing works, how the pieces fit together. But, um, you know, he, when he was speaking at a blockchain conference in Morocco, um, he mentioned that his uh, son, about two years ago, wanted to build a gaming PC for their house. Um, and he said, sure, we'll build that, but it needs to be able to mine uh, cryptocurrency. And this was two years ago, and it seems, you know, Google obviously needs to be on the forefront of all technologies. Their their uh, co-founders and CEOs need to be up to date on the latest technology. Um, it just it's really interesting to me that you know even at that moment he was like this is something that we need to start playing with, we need to experiment with, um, and they're still mining up until this date. I can only imagine, um, especially with the boom of December and January, um, that Ethereum that they mined over the last two years. Uh, what it's what it was worth, how much they've expanded their operation. Um, you know, it could be a very fun side project for him and his son. Um, it just you know a, a really fun story about a father and son you know coming together on a, a new technology and, and and seeing where it goes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We love to see families getting involved with cryptocurrencies. Uh, you know, Sergey Brin is not alone. We've of course got Arlen and his father, and frankly, many people that come into our lives who are sort of merging together generations to more effectively enter into this new technological realm. Uh, what does this mean for Google? Probably nothing, but it's kind of cool that Sergey Brin is mining uh, because, like I mentioned, it's him, the Sacramento Kings, and many others that are deciding that that might be an interesting route to helping to support the blockchain infrastructure and blockchain ecosystem. All that being said, that wraps it up for episode number of the Frontier Report. If you want to learn, as I mentioned, more about what we do, head over to FrontierMining.co or you can check us out on all of our different social media channels from our Telegram to this podcast, obviously, to Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We don't have a Snapchat, but we will have a Snapchat if you want to Snapchat us. So I'm always going to plug it in there just in case someone wants to find us. Your future briefing are our end of card spiel. I love it. That's absolutely right. I mean, <laughs> someone's eventually going to want to see what we're doing. We're not that interesting and our computers aren't that interesting either, but uh, blockchain's cool. So come check us out. All that being said, we'll be back here on the air about a week from now. And I'm telling you, we cannot wait to be behind the mic. Until then, I'm Kyle, that's Harlan, and we are out. <laughs>